spirited Hawthorne side couldn't quite get over the Tigers at the MCG, it turned into a Box Hill Blitz at City Oval, and a top of the table clash produced a dramatic draw in one of the VFLW games of the season. We've got plenty to unpack right here on the Hawk Talk podcast, so let's get down to business. My name is Nick Mason, and I'll need to check in with my co-host, who's bounced back from illness to hit record on this very episode. How's it going, Tiz? No, I'm good, mate. Oh, good. <laughs> stop hamming it up. <laughs> For a start, it was a fever. <laughs> Now, back on deck. So, uh, yeah, there, there were rumours that a few of the boys on Saturday had uh, had a bit of a cold or the flu or something, and I know it's taken out a couple of clubs, but um, I thought that was a very spirited effort, as you quite rightly said. Yeah, absolutely, and I, I think the funny thing about illness sweeping clubs is uh, only one club was the beneficiary of that, and that was the Bombers. You won't catch us being hyped up in the in any corner of the media, will you, for, for being so brave? You know, Tom Mitchell being managed, our star midfielder. Our Brownlow medalist was out, but no, no one will talk about that. No, well, he'll, he'll come straight back in this week, hopefully. And, um, yeah, when I looked at the side, I thought, oh, well, you can't get beaten in the midfield if you don't play a midfield. So <laughs> go for it, Sammy. Change the game, mate. Genius you know? move. <laughs> Actually, you know, there were some terrible... Uh, stats coming out of our midfield but it just did emphasize that Connor Nash a very important cog in there yeah very strange to be saying that but um he had some very good moments that's where we are these days once a whipping boy now an integral part of our uh, best 22 I'd say for for Hawthorne is Connor Nash there are a ton of positives apart from the outcome I mean we got close Richmond 17-15-117 defeated Hawthorne 14-10-94 so the scoreboard didn't go our way, but I thought there were plenty of positives to uh, to pluck from this game. Uh, James Sicily, the fan-voted MVP. I thought it was a real captain's performance, Tiz. Led the way with 24 touches at 83.3%. Disposal efficiency with nine marks and 680 metres gained. Yeah, his, his opponent did quite well and all. So, uh, interesting... How you judge those kind of things with a backman. Well, it's true, but he wasn't completely dismantled, was he? He was one of Hawthorne's better players. There's no denying that. I think it sort of underlines that we need another key backman. If you have James Sisley not having to worry about an opponent and being shown up in in different contests, because it's not really his go, Sisley becomes a much greater weapon. Well, exactly right. Imagine what he could accomplish if he had that freedom. Uh, our defence looks a bit shaky. We'll get to the negatives soon, but Sicily, I thought, was fantastic. I thought it was great to see that Lewis and Kaczynski, finally in the same team, proved that they can coexist as potent twin towers up forward. Three goals and two goals, respectively, for Lewis and Cozzy. Uh, Cozzy in career-best form, as far as uh, AFL player ratings is concerned. Yeah, uh, look, I was tremendously excited um, by that development. Then, unfortunately, the, the twin pillars who were being... Sort of marshaled by Gunston. We lost Gunston. Connor McDonald. Uh, he doesn't seem to be able to get a rest. <laughs> uh, <he's Yeah>. just... <laughs> Try as they might, they can't manage him, can they? <laughs> they really are desperate, but they can't get him out of the side. But uh, I, I really like Connor McDonald. Geez, good. You know, even because it can be hard for even the most seasoned players to have impact when they come off the bench like that. And he. He took his chance. I don't. I don't know if we got any news on Gunston, do we? But he tried to come back on, which indicates that it's obviously not dramatically bad, right? Well, he was jogging up and down the sidelines, and I think he he did indeed come back on for a little while. But then it got to a certain point where it just wasn't viable for him to keep on running out the game. He had no power. Um, it would only have been about a minute and a half that he was out there, and then he put, called, called himself to the bench. But. Um, yeah, it was encouraging to see that because when we go to the footy now, we've got to remember that this is a work in progress and some things are going to pay off and some things aren't and some players have a really good game one week and, and don't the next and it's really, really pleasing to see how well Impey's playing now because uh, that second game he had back, we thought, oh, gee, this isn't the Jarman we all know and love and then he, he he's just putting together some really strong performances. Yeah, there were a few players that sharpened up considerably from the week before. I thought Luke Bruce was pretty good. He bobbed up with, uh, I think it was three goals in the end. Bramble, I thought, looked a lot better. Still making a few blues, but that's all right. And as you say, Jarman Impey, I thought, uh, had his best game since his return. And uh, Chad Wingard in his 200th game. Um, he really knuckled in, I thought. I felt. He, he scored two goals. He played time in the midfield. Uh, very good stat for pressure acts. Um, but it was it was hard to notice. I got to say, it was a very 
Like he's, you notice Chad in the forward line, but he's, when he's in the midfield, I hardly ever notice Chad. I think we'd be best served playing him in the midfield, to be honest. And that seems to be echoing the sentiments of many fans. We had a question from Richard here at Hawk Talk Pod. We looked considerably better when Chad went into the middle, finally. Uh, him and Duke are the only proactive mids. I hope we see more midfield Chad than half forward Chad for the rest of the year. Uh, I think that's fair, especially coming up against Brisbane, uh, who last year uh, we came up against in the uh, the back end of the season, and Chad Wingard uh, posted great numbers playing a midfield role. Uh, look, Chad has something most of the other midfielders don't have, and that is uh, a breakaway speed. And he has he has a sort of cunning around the ball that I admire. What I did find strange was given how skinny we were in midfield, and I loved seeing Will Day in there, by the way. That was extraordinarily good to watch. Um, but John still remained at half-forward line and actually had a decent impact, kicked a goal and and looked quite good as a as a go-between. It, it, it finally looked like that was starting to connect. I think at this stage we're just trying our best to troubleshoot some midfield issues. You know, Kane Corns came out uh, over the weekend and basically decried or denounced our midfield as the worst in the competition. It's hard to argue against, unfortunately, but... You know, you got to remember that a team in a position such as ours, a developing side, should really have some deficiencies and big ones. For where we are in our development and on the ladder, there should be key deficiencies. The midfield is definitely one, but we're trying to fix it up. We're putting Chad Wingard in, Will Day's getting a run. Uh, I'm not. Did Bramble feature in there this week? He certainly did last week. Uh, yeah, a bit of a run, but look. I think you can easily see the pro, uh, progress in defence. You can see the progress in attack. You can even see some progress in the wing play and the ball distribution and, and the movement. But when it comes to the midfield, it, you really, it's very hard to see the progress. And that's what I think he's talking about. It needs to be personnel changes as far as he's concerned. Yeah, well, I tend to agree. I just don't think it's going to be a quick fix, that's all. I mean, Clarkson did amazing things for a footy club, obviously, you know, outside, beyond the premierships, beyond that era. Um, even after all that success, I think he did wonderful things. Uh, I think he's responsible for our defensive line being um, frequently so strong. I mean, found out in more recent times, but um, that's that's a really strong line that we have at Hawthorne. Uh the thing that he didn't do so well is that the midfield's contingent, we have a bit of a lemon. It's going to take a while. It's going to take some good recruiting and some good pickups. But individually, they're all sound. Apart from a couple that are on really bad uh, turns of form, um, you just think that it's this close to getting it right. It's agonisingly close. Well, I suppose that was my big takeaway from this game, is that it's so close to clicking. We're just not quite there at the moment. And again, that's that's where that's what a developing team is. It's not going to fall into place so quickly in, inside year one. Occasionally it will, and it's awesome when it does. I mean, you see uh, our stirring Geelong victory and how we ran all over the top of Port. Well, look, I would say that the Ruck situation, um, we've been down uh, on numbers and hopefully we get to see some, some of them coming back soon. But um, Max Lynch obviously can't run out the game yet. Um, you know, that makes it a lot easier when you have a decent ruck running around. But the thing is, John Newcomb is just a phenomenon. Uh, until they set a tag on him, and that's his challenge now, is to break out through the tags and that kind of stuff. But his start to the game was terrific. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's, what's his, his 15th or 16th game? He's a sub-20 game career so far. And we look just so much more dynamic whenever he's involved. And he makes things happen. Uh, 22 disposals, 529 metres gained. And uh, look, I think you're right. There's no questioning the impact he can have. It's just uh, whether you can sustain it and whether he can shake the tag. Because I think looking at Hawthorne, if you want to know who to nullify in the midfield, look no further than Jai Newcomb. You've got a long way to beating Hawthorne if you... If you just shut him down. It's just phenomenal. Um, the upside to that boy should get everyone attending games because uh, it's one of those things where you think, right, this kid, rising star, written all over him, perhaps this year, right? But the way that he moves, his ability to find the football, you know, I've got to see him break tags and all that, but, you know, we haven't seen that kind of uh, elite midfielder since Sammy. 
Really? Do you know what I mean? Actually come through our ranks. I mean, we went and got Tom Mitchell, who's obviously incredibly good, but coming through our ranks, we haven't seen anything like that. Yeah, homegrown talent at Hawthorne. Love to see it. We had a question from Matt on Joe Newcomb saying, he's been outstanding, but the second half fade-outs are a pattern. Does his role from here become as an impact mid resting forward? Can you get the same output over four quarters that way and spread his mid-time to others? He's dangerous one-on-one inside 50. Well, look, we only have to look at that high-flying mark to see that Newcomb can have an impact going forward. But, I mean, you just want him concentrating on his midfield battles and where he needs to be in there. Uh, I think there's a question, which is a very good question, about McGuinness coming a bit later, um, where they talk about why wasn't he deployed in midfield given we were so skinny, which is a very good point. But they're educating these blokes in one position first, primarily, and then from there they'll seek to educate them in other roles. And it takes a couple of years to work out. You know, I remember they we, we, uh, we heard from Cyril and I think it was Duray back in the premiership years, and they spoke with one another about if uh, it was the you know the the last few minutes of the last quarter, what was Duray's positioning meant to be, and Duray needed to know where Cyril had to be. Yeah. During that during that time, and so you have a complete synergy, and people can tell you if you you know get caught up in the moment or something where you ought to be. This this new game, this new form of the game is is quite a lot of it is played between the ears now. And about positioning. And, and so team and system oriented uh, that you, you've got to be a well-oiled machine to find any success in this game these days. And disciplined. Yeah, and disciplined. And again, very early days for a developing side. And I think it is smart to just go one role at a time at this stage. Let Jai nail down the fundamentals of his midfield game first. But other than that, I don't mind the suggestion. I, I think it'd be tremendously exciting. And I do back him in as a one-on-one player uh, the tenacity, uh, this guy's irrepressible. His hunger for the footy, his desperation and attack on it is so brilliant. Yeah, I, I can't really recall a, a first-year recruit midfielder going forward and, and sealing a winner or anything you know, dramatic. Can you, Nick? And then, you know, being really elite the next year. And that was such a fantastic celebration against Essendon from Warple. And, 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 and then look at him now. A wonderful goal. He's basically you. You stare down your fears when you miss as badly as he did, and then you get the same chance within the next five minutes, and you got to go again. He didn't even look for the handball though. He kicked it, and I just hope he takes. Look, he's just got to break the back of this monkey that's sitting on him. He's just he's so out of form it just beggars belief, and you know he wouldn't look out of place at Box Hill. Right, Liam Shields and Daniel Howe will be thinking, what on earth does he have to do for me to get a game? But look, the, I just admire the tenacity of the bloke to kick that goal um, the next time because you miss that and, mate, the, the whole world would just implode around you. I think it kind of already did. Have you, have you not been checking our social media? <laughs> People have come for him. I saw it at the time when he missed the first one. And then it happened that he got another chance and I thought, oh, wow, you know, like you miss it again, that's, uh, you know, that's headlines. That goal brought the house down though. That was fantastic. It was. It was good. And that's why it was good because he took it upon himself to kick at that time. And I still like Warple. Wish him all the best, but he's really trying to watch sometimes. Well, especially last week, I mean, the, the, you know. When when we needed impact from all of our leaders, none of them turned up. And I know we didn't get to record that podcast, and I'd really have loved to because, you know, what a wonderful result, you know. <laughs> um, Ladies and gentlemen, I think we've moved into the negatives. Yeah, okay, hang on. Just a sec. Oh. All right, so. <laughs> didn't realise we had a special guest on the show, Jack Daniels. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I, I do I do just want to stay with Warple just for a sec. Um, look, we had a number of questions, uh, just as I anticipated. One from Duh underscore Boy 44, another one from Filthy, another one from Alicia. All along the same lines. Should Warple be dropped? He's got to be dropped. When will he be dropped? Uh, how can he get his confidence back? Uh, all along the same sort of theme there, obviously. Uh, I thought it was worth noting. I couldn't really reveal it at the time. 
But uh, we did receive a tip-off pre-game that Warple was, in fact, uh, battling illness uh, throughout the week and, and I think carried that even into the game. So it would certainly go a long way to explaining things. But, you know, Tom Mitchell was managed, uh, you know, with illness of his own. Um, you know, the tip-off was that that's sort of spread throughout the club, uh, just just a fraction. So well, it didn't show. Like, if I'd heard that last week, I'd be absolutely, I can see it on field. But against the Tigers, we ran out that game. In fact, didn't we kick the highest losing score we've kicked in ages? Well, if we can dip our toe back into the positives, yeah. That's our highest losing score for seven years, apparently. So, uh, look, something's going right. If you've got that much supply to the forward line, something good is happening. The the negatives, I think, of this game were fairly obvious. I mean, Jack Gunston's injury right on quarter time, that's some bad luck. You're just about to go in for a break. He comes down from the marking contest as the siren goes and he does his ankle. That was awful, of course. I think we desperately need support for Max Lynch. Everyone can see that our ruck situation is pretty dire. I think he's very spirited, Max Lynch. I think he gives 110%. I think he's a good competitor, but he just can't. He can't do it by himself. And the support that he's getting, the makeshift support, is just that. I'm telling you no. No. We are not recruiting a Ruckman in the mid-season draft, Nick. <laughs> that was a question from Hawk12 here. Mid-season draft, do we take a Ruckman? If there is another spot, do we take a mid? Or can we promote Fergus Green if we thought he warranted it? Of course, we'll get to Fergus Green in our, in our VFL recap. Uh, so, so you're ruling a Ruckman out completely? Because it's not about this season. That's true. You've got to look long-term in this in this kind of decision. And in that sense, it's got to be a mid, right? 100%. Has to be best talent available, oh, Nick. You led me into that one. <laughs> Bit of a trap, I reckon. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, hopefully, hopefully it's another giant Newcomb. I mean, that's what we should all aim for. We've got to find some kid that everyone else has overlooked over the COVID season and, and uh, just slip between the cracks, bring him to the club. And let him be himself and, and, and see what, what they can do. Speaking of exciting young talent, I, I was thrilled for Butler, Sam Butler scoring a debut. But it was a rough debut, it must be said. That was a goal. You can't tell me that wasn't a goal. I'm still angry. <laughs> Evidently. On a needs basis, I'm surprised that Ned Long was overlooked in favour of Sam Butler. I didn't quite understand that. But uh, look, there's no question that Sam Butler's got something. He's going to be great to watch. We need a bit more... Uh, pressure on the opposition defence from our forward line. And uh, with the absence of Gunston now, unless you're bringing in McDonald as an instant replacement, and of course Tom Mitchell will probably come back to the lineup. you might be looking at some talent at Box Hill that's been running around to try and supply that, well, forward line pressure. Got issues at the other end as well, unfortunately, for Hawthorne. I'm getting pretty tired, tears of... You know, seeing these tall forwards, these big forward targets booting bags week to week. It's happened a few weeks now. Uh, Adrian, one of our listeners, points out that the last three weeks, Brown kicking four, Wright with six, Lynch with four. How are we going to solve this? Is a move for Callow into defence an option on the cards here? Do we try that? Or maybe Cozzy, he used to play as a defender. Do we use him as a utility? Hit the... The panic alarm marked Kyle and just bring him back into the lineup. I wouldn't be too hasty. Free up Sicily and no, you were out of Box Hill. How was he? He kicked a goal. Can't have been that bad. That mm, says a lot. <laughs> oh, did you hear that? That is one of the that, that noise that he just made in the back of his throat. That is one of the harshest marks you'll ever hear from Nick. <laughs> I mean. You'll catch the highlights on social media, for sure, and you'll see his goal. And it was a goal at a pivotal time of the, of the game. It gave us a bit of breathing room, and we just took it away from there. It got, we were on a roll, and we won the game. And Kyle Hardigan was undisputably a part of that. He did have a set shot that might have been one of the worst set shots I've ever seen. Ever. Really? So what you're saying is perhaps they should write a blank check for a tall defender in the mid-season draft. Is that what I'm hearing? We, we are being exposed for that kind of player. We are lacking in that area. Kyle Hardigan, I think, oh, he's certainly number 28. I think he is 29, though. He's 29 years old. I'm just, I'm, if I'm wrong, that's off the top of my head, folks. I might be wrong about that. But whether he's a part of our next flag tilt 
is highly questionable. And, you know, you can look at DGB as being pick six in the future. Yeah, he is, but not the same kind of player. He's not the same kind of build with the same skill set. I'd be looking at that closely as much as I am all about the midfield and retooling that and rejigging it. um, That has definitely come into frame as a key concern for Hawthorne. Blank check. (laughs) I didn't say that. I didn't say blank check. Kyle Hardigan is 30. So uh, it'll be 31 in November. It was a... Oh, look, I'll, I'll save it for the VFL recap. I don't want to get into it now, but I just... In theory, certainly, bringing Kyle back into the side sounds okay. But then who are you taking out and how long do they stay out for? If it is, in fact, DGB that misses, I just think that's incredibly counterproductive. Oh, I don't think he'd miss. I, I just think you'd, you'd give him a, an easier opponent. That's all. Yeah, perhaps. And I think they will do that. There's a reason Kyle Hardigan's on the list, and that's and that's why. I feel like people are probably screaming at us to talk about Sam Frost, who's had a bit of a dirty season, hasn't he? Well, I mean, he's undersized as well. And let's face it, Frosty does, is, is not the ice man when it comes to being manhandled by his larger opponent. And he does give away free kicks. Uh, and Brown just milked him for them. So... Uh, I thought he was much improved on the weekend, though. We heard from uh, Hutcho Hutch, speaking of all things defenders, uh, interested in your thoughts on best strategy for DJV's development. Should he be rushed to the magical 50-60 games but get carved up against better forwards in the process like he did on the weekend? Or is he better to have a mix of VFL apprenticeship games along the way? Starting to get some bad Zach Dawson feels about his current role. I have no doubt he's better than that, but a little worried that the throw him in and let him learn the hard way could be detrimental. Well, I, th- I think he actually learnt towards the end of the game how to handle Jack. I thought he, he would have learnt a lot on the weekend, just in terms of the movement. you got to remember Jack, what's he got, two, two Coleman's, is it? In, in three premierships, he's whatever the case. He's no slouch. I mean, he's coming down off the off his peak, obviously, but he's got some tricks that uh, it won't hurt DGB to learn. But it's just when he has the ball, it's very frustrating. <laughs> uh, there are a couple of times he got caught with it. Um, just needs to be more prepared to look, make quicker decisions and things. But you know, the pressure in that forward line was was very good from Richmond, and it's something that that we. Like, when was the last time you saw something like that happen to one of our opposition defenders? It's it's quite rare. Richmond, famously a pressure side. That's part of their expertise, and they brought it in spades on the weekend. Uh, we move on. Uh, this question from Brito. Well, it's not a question, in fact. He says, loving the weekly improvement in Finn's game. Discuss. Yeah, nearly kicked another wonderful goal, didn't he? He doesn't look like a natural footballer, but whatever machinery is going on inside that body of his, it is absolutely top class uh he can run out games he can keep with anybody he can get to where he needs to be and it's just a matter of time before he starts making better decisions under pressure because his kicking uh suffers when he mentally doesn't focus but i think he kicked into the forward line a couple of times and hit up targets this week so each week absolutely he's getting better that stuff is beginning to sharpen up. I think he is improving, certainly. My knock on his game was disposal efficiency, but you know, in that time, he's since found a role and he has sharpened up that efficiency. So uh, we have a question from Justin here, which I think is, uh, is also pertinent. Uh, center clearances were 23-9 and Finn didn't attend one center bounce. I don't get why we play him on a wing. Why not give him a go in the middle when you smashed him there the whole game? He was called a Josh Kennedy clone and a contested ball and clearance player when drafted. And you know what, Tiz? Justin's got a point. <laughs> he ain't wrong on this one. Yeah, so when McGuinness was coming through, of course, in the Vic Metro side, he had uh, Raul and Anderson with him in that midfield. And I think we'd all agree that we'd love to see that at Hawthorne. Uh, that would be... <laughs> it should have been two father-sons and possibly Raul. But uh, look... I'm not sure why they don't put him in. I was talking earlier about how uh, he needs to focus and it doesn't seem wise to um, give him more exposure to other roles in the side than, you know, when he's just cementing down this one. Um, but but surely when push comes to shove, you've got to give him an opportunity in there by the end of the year, uh, especially if it looks like we're going to have to move on 
some of the talent that's already sitting in there holding the spots. Well, yeah, it's as I was saying before, we're in the middle of troubleshooting this midfield and that is a lever that needs to be pulled at some point. Um, That's why we got him. A lot of his highlights packages were him standing up in tackles and breaking free and clearing the ball. And this is really exciting to watch. It's just not something we've had much of a glimpse of since he's been in the brown and gold, which has been very weird to see. Uh, One thing I also wanted to say was uh, I seem to recall that Connor McDonald was billed as an inside mid and, uh, you know, very, very early in his fledgling career. But uh, we haven't deployed him there yet. I mean, well, uh, McGuinness is is built. He's stacked. Connor McDonald is not built enough yet to do that. And and I thought Will Dave, for his size, looked very, very good in midfield. He won a few midfield battles, and few being the operative word, but he looked good, and it looked like something he could progress with. And given two or three years, he could really be picking the best options out outside the pack or breaking through the front of it and kicking long to the right side of the contest and wouldn't that be something kicking to the right side of the contest that would be wonderful to see (laughs) well isn't that the point all this stuff has to start now you start sowing the seeds for all that now uh and you know we've got the rest of the season but as you say i do hope to see more of finn in the middle at some point because it just would be a waste to overlook it he's he's got a two-year contract this is the first of his two years so I think we need to see it at some point. Just a missed opportunity otherwise. Yeah, well, look, let's think about the decision Sammy's made over the last month. And it hasn't been a good month in in terms of results. And you'd have to ask some very hard questions about what happened in the second half against Essendon and, and how lackadaisical they were with the football, especially in front of goal. But for all... For all that I've seen, most of his inclusions have been intelligent and wise... And if they weren't forced, most of them worked quite well. And you've got to remember, he's missing some of the best talent he's had off the half-back line now. And we're still moving the ball and scoring. For a team that got that badly beaten in the midfield on the weekend to achieve that score, it gives you hope. Oh, absolutely it does. Uh, a question from Hyde here on Hawk Talk Pod over on Twitter. Uh, just wonders if Sammy needs to be more proactive in, in terms of changes that he makes mid-game to respond to some of these avalanches of goals. And I don't know, sometimes I wonder how much flexibility there is mid-game trying to stop these teams. Well, really, I mean, you know, the coach picks the team and all that. But if there's momentum in the game, there's not much the coach can do, okay? And that's the problem. We're seeing huge momentum shifts. Richmond obviously took their foot off the accelerator and let us back in. We got very close. Then they put their foot down again. They kicked two more goals by the end. You know, it's just... You know, we're not in their class, but the determination to hang tough and fight back, you know, Sammy would would take that. But what they need to do is those players need to think through it, and they didn't do it under Clarkson well in the last year or two either, is think through it and work out how they're going to stop the momentum or at least slow down the momentum and the scoring chains of the opposition. Yeah, this is not a new phenomenon. It's not exclusive to Sam Mitchell. I mean, the fact is we can cast our minds back to round 23 of last year, the finale for uh, Clarkson and Burgoyne, and we looked home and hosed. But it wasn't to be. Richmond fought back and they stacked on the goals in the final five minutes. We couldn't stop it. But what we've got to underline here is, at least when we have momentum... We're scoring and scoring well now. We're making the most of it. Whereas I would say in the past, we didn't make the most of our momentum. That's been seen in a few games as well, including this one just gone. You know, we we put Richmond to the sword. We were looking for a knockout blow. Uh, As it happened, inside one quarter, they, they decided to pull their own weight and they got back into it. Well, they're still a very good side. They're still a very talented side, very well structured, disciplined, all that jazz. And there's going to be a game where Hawthorne, everything clicks, and I'd hate to be their opponent. (laughs) Yeah, well, it could ambush some very good teams. We did it last year, and we can do it again. I don't know. Something has me a little bit excited to see what we're made of against Brisbane down in Tassie, but we'll get to that. We had a question from Callum. Uh, What type of players should we look at in the mid-season draft? I guess we've kind of covered that. We seem to be in agreement. it's got to be best talent, but 
I, I'm inclined to look at either a mid or a defender. I don't know about you, Tiz. Uh, yeah, they're, they're the two obvious lines where we need some. We need a new face that could fulfil a role. And this last one from Len as we uh, move into the VFL recap. Uh, which free agents should we be looking at, if any? All right, I've got the list here, Nick. You ready? Go for it. There's only about 100. <laughs> I, just, I meant go for it as in pick out your highlights. Who do you like the look of? Uh, well, I thought you'd be very interested in Taylor Walker. <laughs> uh, he is... <laughs> Well, hang on. All right. Kyle Lankford. Oh, yeah. That's been the chatter, hasn't it? We've been rumoured to be into Kyle Lankford. That could be skillfully avoided, I feel. (laughs) Uh, Now, Alex Pierce of Fremantle fame. You'd be all over Alex Pierce. Uh, Very good key defender. He could could really bolster that lineup. You know, wouldn't need to worry about it. He's very good. What do you think, Nick? Yeah, it's not really grabbing me. Now, they're both restricted free agents. Okay, well, it's grabbing me even less now. Angus Brochure. Well, that's not happening, so... And, of course, Buddy. Wow, that would... What a headline that would be. Do you think so? Do you, do you think the AFL would help us get it done? I'll <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ablett. Uh, buddy, homecoming. It's all good. Don't need him, mate. Got Mitch Lewis. It's fine. McStay. To McGo. <laughs> to McGo. <laughs> Such a shit joke, and it's still got you. Jamie Elliott. We've been rumoured to uh, go after Jamie Elliott in the past, but I fear he's probably not. Oh, Dyson Heppel, mate. How could you say no? David Mundy. He'd do, you know, because, you know, we're looking like one of the younger teams now. They could really bolster our age gap there. No? Okay, no takers. Jeez, you're you're pretty hard to please. Uh, Levi Casbolt. Missed out on him last time. Chose the Gold Coast. What do you reckon? I'm good. Thanks. You reckon Mitch has got it, don't you? So we just we just keep going. Uh, Jared Brander, I was a big rap for him. Can't get a game at GWS. Might get one under the new coach. There's not a lot here, I've got to say. Um, Carl Amon. Can't believe the figures they're talking about for Carl Amon. Yeah, that, that's off-putting. Otherwise, I would be interested. We, we, we had word two years ago that, that Clarko was trying to get Amon across. Remember that? Um, you could have Trent Cochin, Jack Rewalt. They're both up. Oh, Jake Lloyd. No. <laughs> I don't know. Taylor Giray, he could come back. There's your homecoming. Tom Liberatore, Toby McLean. That, gee, there's a few. Bailey Dale, Caleb Daniel, Jason Johannesson. The dogs are letting them go. They're off the leash. I don't think any of those really... Notice that one got nothing. Disappointing. No, I was taking a drink. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's what it takes to get through my comedy set, folks. <laughs> well, that's why you're so popular with the club. You sell out the bar. <laughs> now, um, <laughs> now, look, I don't think there's a there's a, a, a you know a quick solution there. There's no quick fix out of those. No, I didn't think so either. I had a look at that list today when I included this question, and uh, I, I wanted to bounce it off you because when I looked at the list, I thought, no, I'm not really. Seeing much there for us. Premiership backman Zane Cordy didn't catch your eye? No, not really. Oh, we'll just move along then to the VFL, eh? <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to free agency, the only thing I'm interested in is retaining James Sicily. That is the pri- that is the key priority as far as free agency is concerned for Hawthorne. Just want to jump in to bring you a really pleasing update, Hawks fans. The morning after our recording session, Hawthorne announced that James Sicily signed a five-year deal remaining with the club through to the end of 2027. On your sis. Did you see the Saints banner referenced Selwood getting free kicks? Did they break the banner? Did they run through it or did they just duck under it? No, they always duck under it. <laughs> Jesus, we are rough, eh? <laughs> Bit rusty here at the Hawk Talk Pod HQ. Uh, Box Hill Hawks, 15-16-106, defeated Richmond 10-13-73, producing their best win of the season, if you don't mind. So it's a 33-point win over Richmond. Uh, they were outplayed initially. They looked very shaky to quarter time, but the boys really dug deep. Did you happen to see this game, Tiz? Uh, I watched the second half. I noted that uh, Horner, Horner went down during the match and Ward was done very early. Like I thought he'd actually been rested. 
when I came onto the coverage. Yeah, no, you weren't the only one. A few people got in touch with us and asked, what's happening with Ward? Why has he been so quiet? He's had seven touches. What, are you kidding me? Uh, well, he wasn't on field. <laughs> he was subbed out. He copped a knock to the head and he was concussed and then he was taken out of the game. So we're effectively two men down, but it didn't stop us running over the top of Richmond. The work rate lifted, the accountability and contested game sharply improved, we got the system and attack going, and for a while it wasn't rewarded. We kicked something like 3-8 in the second term. Enormously frustrating, but uh, they couldn't keep us at bay all day, and uh, we just blitzed them in the final quarter, starting with uh, Cal Porter with one of the best goals you'll see. Uh, get, sharking the tap from the ruck, Center clearance by himself, kicks from 50, goal. With the wind. With the wind. Even Cal will tell you he had the wind behind him. Come on. <laughs> well, okay. I have to pay the wind some credit, I suppose. <laughs> no, we, we came home with the wind and absolutely uh, looked untouchable um, for a little while there. We were running on top of the ground. Absolutely. They had no answer in the final term. Uh, Josh Morris and Jack Saunders were both wonderful, hugely influential on the day, uh, and that's despite only 13 touches apiece. I think people who'd seen that game would be surprised to look up the stat sheet and see that they only had a minimal amount of accumulation, but it was definitely a case of quality over quantity. Whereabouts were they deployed? So Morris was strictly a defender. That's kind of... He's, he's made that half-back position his own now. He's doing such a tremendous job and reinventing himself as a defender. I guess the shame of it is I, he'd have to pry a spot into the senior side. I don't know how he's getting in at the moment. Maybe Impey has to be down on form and maybe Hardwick. Um, otherwise, it's going to be tough for him. But he's he's putting together a brilliant body of work for Box Hill this season. Uh, Saunders is sort of wing half forward. Uh, a lot of the time, you see him dash up the wing and put us inside forward 50, or he can look rather menacing, sharking a tap and uh, go, having a good look at goals himself. So... They're both pretty integral to this Box Hill side. Well, I, I don't see why Josh Morris can't be selected for the forward line. We know he can kick bags, and I just think that's just part of how you get out of the VFL is to go back and accumulate the footy, which is exactly what they want from him. If you're just sitting in the forward line putting bags through, it doesn't work. Ask Jekka. Just... <laughs> Don't kick him while he's down. He's out with a hamstring injury. Leave him alone. And now Gunston's down and he'd probably be the, the first one asked. So. We're, we're recording this on a Monday night. It'll be interesting to get the uh, ever-vague injury report from Hawthorne. Love those. Looking forward to a few TBCs. So who was the best on ground? Because Shields and Howe both had dramatic impact, but certainly Cal Porter with his... Well, I mean, he was involved in a couple of celebrations as well that were memorable. Um, he turned the tide. And then the mysterious man, the man of mystery, Fergus Green, did he get a touch before halftime? He, was, uh, he eventually came into it and was a huge factor in the win. Fergus Green with four goals. Uh, ben Kavara had four goals as well. Both could probably make the leap back into the AFL system. If, that, if they so desired, I reckon clubs would be hungry to have them. We could use them at Hawthorne, in fact. Well, both former dogs, aren't they? They are indeed, yep. So uh, anyway, the boys get the week off. They do indeed, uh, before flying north to take on the Suns. Uh, they're sitting pretty in eighth at the moment. After a bit of a mediocre start to the season, they've worked their way back into it, and they're sitting eighth. So um, yeah, good on Box Hill, in a good patch of form at the moment. And uh, I guess the question is, who do we take from that side to slot into our senior side to take on Brisbane at UTAS? Sunday, 3.20pm. Ah, uh, well, uh, a Taswegian would be good. Um, Callow would love playing down there, I would imagine, and that would be your third tool. I don't know whether they'll do it. It would also be another chop-out for Max in the ruck. What do you think, Nick? Well, how many do you need at that point? Because you can use Nash if you're inclined to. You can use Cozzy. Do you need Callow in support as well? Uh, I'm not thinking that any of those are ideal, but that's what we've got to work with. Well, either that or you go for pace and you pick someone speedy to come back in. Um, who are you dropping, by the way? If Tom Mitchell's available, he replaces Jack Gunston. Uh, and then you've got McDonald who came into the lineup. So you're just, you just, fin you're just fiddling around with the Medisub, in which case you'd probably put in Howe or, or Shields. Look, I think it, they do want to manage McDonald. <laughs> I think they, it's clear they've telegraphed that, so I wouldn't be surprised to see him fall out of the lineup. 
uh, it's got to be time for Warple. I know I've put up a number of excuses for him, but just someone else, please. Okay, so, right, Warple down for match-winning performance on the weekend, (laughs) ladies and gentlemen. That should be terrific. You're so harsh on me. Just because I've had a multi that never gets up and hasn't for the past three, four years, doesn't mean I can't predict how things are going to go. I'll be laughing about that on my deathbed, I tell you. Oh, my goodness. Around 10 and 11 of the uh, of the season, we'll see the league once again celebrate Sir Doug Nichols' round. And uh, you've got the specially designed Indigenous jumpers back. So I guess we can expect to see ours this weekend, which would be good. But the question is, is it a winning look? <laughs> Are we gonna are we gonna run out victorious against the Lions? It's a tall order. They're in red hot form. Oh, look, they're in very good form. I wouldn't expect much. Um, we'll hang in there. But uh, look, what's the weather like down there this weekend? What weather would benefit us? As a matter of fact, <laughs> I'm, I'm not even sure. I don't think we want it to be wet. Well, look, we, we'll probably when the bye comes around, we'll have a look at the remaining games. But uh, there's certainly, I would say, a few winnable games before the end of the season. We've had a very rough couple of, well, four or five weeks now. And uh, in factoring into that couple of Monday games, shorter breaks than our opposition, you know, we should, all things being equal, start to turn out some better results from here on. Just probably not this week. It's time to get to the VFLW because there's a lot to say about this game. A top of the table, streak versus streak clash, tis that did not disappoint uh, as I said, I was there in person on uh, on Sunday, yesterday, and uh, yeah, very handsomely rewarded for turning up early in the morning. 9.30 was the first bounce. Now, as I understand it, I didn't watch it live, but Hawthorne just steamrolled back into the contest. Yeah, Essendon were actually in control for much of the day. Uh, while it didn't always show on the scoreboard, they were stifling Hawthorne's offence. You don't normally see Hawthorne struggling to mount any meaningful attack against the opposition, but that was happening. And then the Bombers got out to a 15-point lead heading into the final term. 15 points doesn't sound like much, but in the context of the game, it was massive. And about three minutes in, they put through another goal, and that looked to be curtains. And I, I'd written it off. You know, the, I thought the result was in the books, but Hawthorne stormed home out of nowhere. Goals from uh, Bertuk, uh, Humphreys gave us a sniff, and then Williams tied the game with a sneaky one out the back. Just fortune fell our way. And then it was Essendon's turn because they got the centre break in the final two minutes of the game. They had a couple of opportunities, maybe like two or three really, to just edge ahead on the scoreboard. They just needed a point. that Any kind of score would have done. Uh, and it was a fierce, fierce battle on the goal line. So they could have tapped it through honestly. But as it happens, we tried to rebound from deep in defence. The kick went out in the full, gave the Bombers a shot after the siren to win the game. The most dramatic of kicks, the most dramatic fashion to end this top of the table clash between these two teams, both on big winning streaks. Uh, Hawthorne just had to make sure it didn't go through. You know, of course, a pack formed, but Essendon, by the letter of the law, I believe, they couldn't rush it through. So if they get a fist to it and punch it through, apparently that doesn't count. No. So all they have to do is put body on Hawthorne to make sure they're out of position to make sure that ball somehow bounces through. As it happens, we got a fist to it, maybe several hands to it, brought it to ground, kept the ball in play, no score was registered, and uh, you could see some momentary confusion amongst the players because some of the Essendon girls went up. They thought that was enough. Uh, it was not. The umpire signalled a draw and the Hawks celebrated and the Bombers looked a bit dejected having let a massive win slip away. And uh, I tell you what, that's one of the best endings for any game I've seen this year. That was enormously entertaining. So both uh, winning streaks survive or do they both fail? <laughs> well, I reported that they're both done because <laughs> they didn't win. Okay. So both winning streaks are dashed inside the one game. But they didn't lose either. Like, I mean... Are you a glass half empty or a glass half full person? How do you drink your Jack Daniels? I don't know. It's half empty right now. Um... <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, it doesn't much matter. All that you need to know is that the top two teams uh, just had an absolute ripper of a contest. Essendon remain in top spot. Hawthorne are still in second. I believe we've seen the grand finalists, uh, and it's going to be, if they do meet in, in the big game, 
then uh, that's going to be a hell of a contest. And now, in in other news, I understand the uh, calligraphy consultant has made his way down to the Hawthorne AFLW side, and we are getting signatures finally. Well, we hung in there for a long time, but Hawthorne's AFLW side is starting to take shape. Announcements galore. Last week, we had Eliza Shannon and Tegan Cunningham uh, effectively promoted from the VFLW list. Uh, Eliza Shannon, first of all, a versatile defender, averages 15.3 disposals, four marks and two tackles per game. Has represented Vic Country twice and made the under-16 and under-18 all-Australian teams in the same year before joining the AFLW Academy in 2018. She's been great for us and uh, very excited to have her sign on for the AFLW side. Tegan Cunningham, are you familiar with the name, Tiz? She was in the AFLW system. Yeah, I, I feel like she... Uh... She didn't win a Melbourne Premiership, is that right? No, you are so hard. <laughs> she, the fact of the matter is, she was integral to their side. She played 32 games in Melbourne, won the club's goal-kicking award twice in her three seasons at the club. Uh, in her first year out of the competition, she's signed up for, for Hawthorne's VFLW side and has been excellent, uh, averaging 16.8 disposals to go with 15.4 hitouts. Uh, also a distinguished WNBL career too. So there you go. From basketball. Oh, well, that'll be important for the coverage. That's right. The old basketball background surfacing again. The commentators will love that. Uh, but the news of the day, that was uh, that was last week. We, we took on Eliza Shannon, Tegan Cunningham. The big news today, uh, four AFLW signings for Hawthorne. Let's run through them. Tilly Lucas-Rod, arguably the headliner of the four, because 43 games for Carlton and St Kilda, averaging 20.1 disposals and seven tackles, ranked second in the league for pressure acts. I'm liking the sound of this, Tiz. Lovely stats for a midfielder. Finished second in St Kilda's best and fairest, made the All-Australian squad too. She is a massive pickup from the Saints. I'm glad that we finally nabbed one from another club. Because we've seen enough of our VFLW talent go out the door, so good to get one back. Uh, Jess Duffin, this is the one I like, because she came from North Melbourne, mate. <laughs> we've pinched one from North. Love that. Dual All-Australian utility, valuable leadership, also being the captain of the Melbourne Renegades and the Women's BBL. Uh, Janet Baird, an exciting talent from the Northern Territory, we nabbed from the Suns, who's barely played a game up there, so we're happy to give her a shot, and can play small forward or outside mid, has the distinction of being the youngest ever NTFL Best and Fairest winner. That accolade awarded to her in 2019, so a very promising talent indeed. And uh, let me see if I can get the pronunciation of this last player correct. I'm nervous about this one. Akech Makuchut. I'll be raked over the coals, I'm sure, if I didn't get that one correct, but I had a go. A South Sudanese player, 23 games for Freo and Richmond, a key defender, made history tears by becoming the first woman of African descent to be drafted into the AFLW. And so, all of a sudden, we have 10 players signed to our AFLW team. Just another really pleasing update, Hawks fans. Hawthorne has since also added defender Louise Stevenson and forward Sarah Perkins to the AFLW list. So, still plenty of work to do. But it's it's better than say the three that we had about three weeks ago. By my count, that's a that's a third of a team signed in ten days. <laughs> so yeah. uh, you know, they won't they won't need much longer. <laughs> and this is the thing: the talent pool in the VFLW side is very rich indeed. If if we want to just draw from that, I wouldn't complain at all. I, I see there's plenty of promise just in that list alone. Uh, next up, Hawthorne VFLW takes on uh, Darabin once again. At uh, well, they're returning to Box Hill City Oval at 11 a.m. It's the penultimate game of the season. They are finals bound. That is locked and loaded. Uh, be interesting to see uh, if they can carry on their good form. Well, I mean, they're looking steadily at a grand final, and uh, anything less would be a disappointment for these girls. I would say so. Anything can happen in finals footy, but uh, they've got their sights set on the big dance. So look forward to that, mate. I think with all things considered we've done the recap of the afl vfl vflw we've gone to the big news i think uh, that might be an episode in the can yeah so how do you how do you feel we'll go against brisbane this week and then we'll get on to mason's multi because that cheers me up i'll get to the socials first how about that if you like what we do here at hawk talk pod hq we'd really appreciate if you could spare a second or two to leave us a rating on apple podcasts or maybe you feel inclined to leave us a lovely review that'd be wonderful we'd really appreciate that uh, Twitter at Hawk Talk Pod. We've hit another incredible milestone: three thousand five hundred followers. 
an amazing community of Hawthorne fans. Now, if you're not with us on Twitter, you're really missing out. So jump on there, at HawkTalkPod. Uh, the same could be said of our Facebook family too, a real passionate bunch, facebook.com slash HawkTalkPod. And also we're on Instagram, so look us up there. And finally, as always, we'd like to extend a big thank you to our proud, passionate, and paid-up Patreon subscribers. Uh, you make this podcast possible. It's your support that means we can keep this thing going and uh, put more time into it week to week. And it supports us uh, when we're a bit down and out in our own lives. You know, Tiz has had illness. I've had illness recently. And mine was a bit worse. I had COVID, so I, mean, I don't want to underscore that. But, yeah, you know, I was a bit of a trooper. I just don't think enough was made of that. You're so bloody competitive, my <laughs> goodness. <laughs> Uh, anyway, as I was saying, you really do contribute, uh, all you Patreon subscribers, in a very real way to making the show what it is. And we've got some shout-outs. New subscribers, KB and Stuart, you guys are awesome. Thank you so much for being on board. We really do appreciate your support. And for anyone that would like to join up, all the details are at patreon.com slash hawktalkpod. So, Nick, what are you doing instead of watching the game on the weekend? Well, I've missed a fair bit of footy lately. I'm not too happy about that. It's either illness or just general life stuff that's gotten in the way. Uh, I'll be attending my nephew's birthday. So I, I might not get to see it live, unfortunately. Does he at least barrack for Hawthorne? He does barrack for Hawthorne. He was at uh, Box Hill City Oval. Oh, well done, Unc. Well done. I don't think it was my doing, but I'm happy to take the credit. Fair enough. <laughs> no, nah, it, it's it's a pretty cool feeling. It's, it's, in, a, in a generational sense, you know, me and my brother as little tackers, you know, dad would take us along to games and now to see my nephew going along, it's, it's pretty special, I'm not going to lie. That and... Getting on the shoulders and being able to actually see the game is also a highlight. I think the thing he loved most was just having a kick on the ground at half time. It's an age where, you know, the world is so, you know, everything's magic, isn't it? It's all sunshine and rainbows and then, you know, you get a bit older and you have a Hawthorne podcast and you need to wrap it up so you can settle in on the couch and tune into Footy Classified because you want to see what the senior coach of Hawthorne has to say and it's all a bit grim, mate. Enjoy, Nick. I'm sure you'll learn a lot, a lot about the fracas that he's had with three of the panellists. <laughs> That'll be it for this edition of the Hawk Talk Podcast. I'm, I'm literally moving to my couch. That's that's happening. All right, you poor bugger. I hope you get more out of life soon. I'll tell you, how many afflictions can I cop? First COVID, now footy classify. My body's been through enough trauma. Now I'm going to put my mind through some trauma too. What am I doing? Yeah, well, it'll be interesting to uh, to see if Sammy calls Lloydie Sniper. That's, uh, that's all I'll be tuning in for. <laughs> well, we'll be sure to recap it on the next edition of the Hawk Talk podcast. We'll catch you next week. We are a happy team in Hawthorne.